Hey everybody and welcome to the 5 Bytes Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Monahan. The podcast, as always, is brought to you by my sponsors. Liquidware, creators of FlexApp, the most feature-rich application learning product on the market. And also by Goliath Technologies, who help IT pros be proactive and anticipate, troubleshoot, and prevent end-user experience issues regardless of where IT workloads or users are located. And of course, also by PolicyPack Software, where you use Group Policy or MDM to remove admin rights, manage and lock down applications, Java, browsers, mitigate ransomware, and more. If you enjoy the show each week, you have them to thank. And now for some news. Cisco have announced that they plan to acquire Thousandeye, which is a vendor with a really unique monitoring product that casts a very wide net and looks at the entire internet to help companies figure out the source of performance problems of websites and web-based apps. To effectively monitor the entire internet in itself just sounds like crazy to me. And if they've harnessed that ability, it came as no surprise to me then that Bloomberg have suggested the deal could be worth close to $1 billion. Not too bad for a 400-employee startup. Business Insider reports that Cisco says the purchase will close sometime before the first quarter of its fiscal year of 2021. Cisco is currently in the fourth quarter of its fiscal 2020. Its Q1 for 2021 runs from August through October. So expect it to close sometime and then. Last week, Google engineers stated that around 70% of all serious security bugs in Chrome are memory management and safety bugs. The CDNet reported that half of the 70% are use-after-free vulnerabilities, which is a type of security issue that arises from incorrect management of memory pointers, leaving doors open for attackers to attack Chrome's inner components. The percentage was compiled after Google engineers analyzed 912 security bugs fixed in the Chrome stable branch since 2015. This included bugs that had a high or critical severity rating. And this number is actually identical to stats shared by Microsoft previously. The article also suggests the main crux of the issue is the use of C and C++, which are deemed unsafe languages. They give a very broad access of memory, which is also the root of some of the Chrome memes around memory consumption. And it's not just there in existence for poor development to cause performance problems. It's also there being manipulated by bad actors. Google says that since March 2019, 125 of the 130 Chrome vulnerabilities with a critical severity rating were memory corruption-related issues, showing that despite advances in fixing other bug classes, memory management is still a problem. The browser vendors are now all looking at alternatives to C and C++ to address these vulnerabilities. In his weekly State of the Kernel post, Linus Torvalds released Linux 5.7 RC7. And in his statement, he said that the development process has been smooth and even commented that, quote, of course, anything can still change, but everything looks all set for a regular release scheduled for next weekend. Knock wood, end quote. The register reported that Linus stated he replaced his machine and for the first time in 15 years, it's not Intel based. He's now rocking an AMD Threadripper 3970X. 
From now on, it appears Linus will be working on developing the Linux kernel on an AMD processor. The article and others online also speculate about a future ARM-powered desktop being used, but I'm sure that's some time away. Bleepingcomputer.com reported that the May Windows patches for Windows 10 computers can cause a problem for those with a wireless wide area network, or WAN, LTE modem causing a loss of internet connectivity. It stated by Microsoft that the network connectivity status indicator in the notification area might still indicate that you are connected to the internet, but you'll experience those connectivity issues. Others have reported installation errors, performance issues, and audio problems too with the May patches. Though for those issues being reported, Microsoft have stated that they have not seen those issues widespread as of the time of this recording. They stated for the connectivity issue for those on WN, they hope to have a fix in an upcoming release. For those who were maybe suffering with blue screen of death issues with a code related to a Windows Defender conflict throwing a flag kmode underscore exception underscore not underscore handled, well, you're in luck because HP just released HP Component 4.1.4.3079 and this should hopefully get you over that hump. So if you're getting that blue screen of death and you're running HP, you want to go out there and grab that update. Microsoft have posted a draft release of the updated Windows 10 security baseline for version 2004. For those who follow these baseline updates religiously, this is not a very significant release. Only one setting has been added to the spreadsheet, but they did take the opportunity to also highlight some other settings to think about that I've actually talked about some of them on the podcast over the last few months, like the LDAP binding change to LDAPs that should be considered and Microsoft's changing stance on password policy and its effectiveness or lack thereof and why they've made certain changes on the security baseline related to passwords. The awesome Ed Bot at ZDNet posted an article about features getting deprecated in Windows 10 version 2004. There's a few like companion device framework and dynamic disks, which may be not that interesting, although dynamic disks is a little bit interesting to me, and they hope to fully replace it with RAID-like storage spaces software in a future release. But by far, to me, the biggest one that's getting deprecated with this release is the old funky and busted Microsoft Edge. Now that it has a far superior successor, the old Edge HTML engine is being put out to pasture, and it's high time. VMware Fusion has a really cool and unexpected feature, at least not expected by me anyway. Version 11.5 is shipping with support for containers through a feature called VCTL, which is a new command line interface that'll get you up and running with containers. Another big note for those who love VMware Workstation, which includes me, it's my favorite VMware product, the days of the you must disable Hyper-V in order to use Workstation message are over. After years of collaborative development and engineering between VMware and Microsoft, they are now proud to be delivering a compatibility story where Workstation version 15.5.5 and newer can run on Windows 10 hosts with Hyper-V mode enabled. 
So good job by VMware and Microsoft working together on that. I would love to see more collaboration by Microsoft and VMware in future. It has always seemed like a kind of odd, fractious relationship to me. With such large customer bases shared amongst both, there's huge potential for awesome there. So let's hope it continues. Microsoft Teams optimization and support is now available for Windows Virtual Desktop in a preview state. This was a pretty sizable hole in the product during the work from home surge that has been going on. So many rushed to Teams. In fact, I read that there has been more than a 700% increase. So not having that ability to use Teams in WVD, which itself has seen a usage increase like threefold, uh, was a bit of a bugaboo. So it's good that you'll now be able to properly use Teams in a supported fashion on WVD. David Plummer, the man who created Task Manager, posted on Reddit this week talking a little about Task Manager and some of his other development efforts over his career. It was a pretty interesting read. He stated that the Windows Task Manager was a shareware app that he wrote in his den and he was planning to just sell it on the side. But when the Windows NT architect Dave Coulter saw it, he agreed to let him check it into the product, so he just donated it. That utility first appeared in Windows NT version 4 in 1996, and obviously it's become the heart and soul of Windows, really, because if you're not in Task Manager, you're probably hard booting your machine anytime you have an application hang or any number of issues, really. He continued to state the Task Manager is one of the apps he's most proud of because it's probably the first or at least most visually complicated app to ever be fully resizable in all dimensions without any flickering. It was under 100,000 for the EXE and never flashed or crashed. And that was his thing. Having the GDI32 and User32 guys down the hall helped him along with that, he said. He also offered some really helpful tips. He stated that if Task Manager ever hangs or crashes, start another one by pressing Control shift and escape That requests a secret code from the existing instance, and if not received, starts another one. And it works to launch the utility even if the Shell Explorer is dead. So that's pretty cool. Another fun fact that I thought, or another fun fact that I found in the article is he's also the man who created the 3D pinball game that shipped with Windows XP and which I keep around today and run it on my Windows 10 machine courtesy of Droplet Computing. Congrats to Tim Mangan for completing his first 40-hour remote training class on packaging AppV and MSIX. He has stated that future classes are already scheduled for Europe and American time zones. If you're interested in doing a virtual training with Tim, and you should be because he's awesome, you can find out more information at tmurgent.com. The team at ControlUp were at it again, putting the automated actions to use for some really out there experiments. Trent Ty set up an action that looks for a zoom process on his machine. When running, it sets his light to red to let his family know that he's on a call. And when the meeting is not running or the Zoom process is not running, it lets them know that it's safe to come in. Maybe someday I'll be as cool as Trent and I'll try that myself. And with that, let's get on to some scripts, tricks, and tips. 
This week, Eddie Jackson posted a really handy PowerShell script that will run a scheduled task just once and then delete it. This is something that could come in very handy in non-persistent environments in particular, or even just for any machine, be it persistent or non-persistent, if you have a need for a dynamic delivery and to run on maybe a certain event or trigger. It's almost like a ad hoc or makeshift AppSense environment manager, or at least that's the way that I'm thinking about it. So you'll definitely want to check that one out. It should have a lot of power if you use it right. PSH Nuts shared a simple VB script this week for executing a PowerShell script silently, which may be VB script's main use in enterprise IT these days. Its ability to run commands hidden is really keeping it alive. I think if the day comes when they want to completely kill off VB script, they're going to have to put that function into PowerShell in a very simple way. Vladen Seged posted a pretty cool article with five tips on how to secure your backups. The article mostly features Veeam for backups as examples, but it could apply to most solutions really as these are just general suggestions or best practices. And hey, if you can't do what you own, then maybe you could look at something else that can do this because they are still pretty good tips. So if your product can't do it, maybe it's a failing of that product. And finally, Adafruit.com's blog posted a pretty cool little home lab example using a Raspberry Pi Zero to set up a digital clock and an inside and outside temperature monitor. I saw Raspberry Pi released a higher spec model recently. So maybe those who find themselves with a little more time because of the pandemic to do a little bit of experimenting in their tech lab. This could be a pretty cool one to try out for yourselves. And that's it for another week of the podcast. If you enjoy it, please share it with your colleagues and friends. Uh, please rate the podcast on your podcast platform of choice, like Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever you listen to it on. And everyone stay safe, and I'll catch you next week.